and welcome to Living Through Society with your Northern Last Kate. Today we are talking all things self-love with life coach Laurie Gray. Three things you should know about Laurie are she is an invisible illness warrior and has Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome affecting her connective tissue. She is a mum of two and homeschools them and she's a life coach and expert in self-love. So today we are doing all about self-love and Before this, the mention of self-love, I would probably just roll my eyes. Is it just a commercial, random thing that... Is it even feasible? Is it even achievable? Is it even real? You know, self-love. What is it? What the heck is that? Do we need to be doing it? Should we be doing it more? How do we do it? We will be answering all these questions and more with the amazing Glories. So we'll just welcome in Laurie now. Hey, Laurie! Hello! This morning I uh, turned on your podcast, I was listening to some of your episodes, getting to know you a little bit more, and I was like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad you thought that. I just want to say, I love your hair as well. That was a, I tell you what, I do too. I think I've wanted to, I wanted to shave my head, I think from the time I was in like junior high or high school, and I wasn't brave enough till I was in my 30s, and now I'm like, why didn't I do this sooner? I really love it. I have a done up hair, so it's it's actually you can't. T- most people think it's just shaved on the side, but it's actually shaved <gasps> all the way. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I didn't realize. I just have this on top, which sometimes I do in like funky, weird top knot stuff. But um, it is so much easier. And I'm like, somebody said something about it's gonna be hard to grow that out. I'm like, I don't, I don't think I would ever go back to a full head of hair. Why would I? <laughs> I could do if I could do this. So yeah, it started actually really practical because of like health issue stuff. I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. I don't know if you saw that, but it affects my joints. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get my arm up to like style and blow dry and stuff. And so I just kept going shorter and shorter and shorter until we ended up with this. I love it. I don't think many people can pull it off, but you definitely do. Oh, thank you. And you are just the cutest thing. I was looking at all your pictures. I'm like, you just have such a great, fun smile. Like, just so much energy. I didn't have braces for three years not to give out this smile. <laughs> just so everybody knows, this is Lori. Is that how you say it? Lori. Yeah, Lori Gray. Sounds better with your accent, though. So go with that. Lori, <laughs> um, entrepreneur. Yeah. Life coach. Yeah. And you've got a family. I do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, So we, yeah, it's funny to think about the titles. I'm also an author. I don't know if you saw that. I wrote a book. Yep. Becoming Aphrodite. And do you have other books as well? No, just that one. I don't really, I'm not, writing is not my favorite. Coaching is definitely my preference. I will do public speaking when needed. I write a little bit more by necessity. So I don't love writing. It was just one of those stories that I felt like I kept sharing like over and over yeah. and over again. Mostly I just value efficiency, which I think is the oddest reason to become an author. But I, it was one of those things where I'm like, man, I feel like I've talked about this so many times. Maybe I'll just write it down and then people can read it. And that was why I did that. Um, but yeah, so, so I am married to a really amazing guy and we have two kids who we homeschool um, and all of that. And we are currently 
on a wild adventure. We were living in an apartment in downtown Los Angeles, but we, how long ago was it? I guess at this point, just a couple months ago, like two and a half months ago, we put our stuff in storage and moved our family of four into an Airstream, a type of like RV trailer. And we are currently on like an epic year long road trip all around the country. So I'm actually currently in Texas, even though I'm not from Texas. And we're parked in one of my friend's driveways, <laughs> hanging out with them for a little bit before we start heading further east. <laughs> Isn't that random? I know, but that's what's happening. How cool is that? It is so cool. Like, there are inconveniences for sure, but to be able to take, I don't know, just so much of like our homeschool now, it's just it's practical and it's relevant and we're just doing science about like the where we're visiting and the places we're seeing and what we're learning and then also just getting to um, visit people and the way we're traveling you know even with the shutdown stuff you know before we got here at my friend's house we just quarantined in our rv like at like very rural sites so we were being very safe so then when we show up here we can actually like we quarantine they quarantine we get to see people and we've just planned this little trip like all around where we can see the country and see people and have an adventure and while everybody else is locked down and losing their minds we're seeing all the things <laughs> I have no words I think that's I everyone's dream right now I think right? if you were to put that on social media a lot more you'd get a lot of annoyed people being like how are you doing this that is just that's the dream what you're doing right now apparently you know and a lot of people have said like one they kind of wish they were doing it right now but also the amount of people who I've talked to now there's occasionally there's a few of them that are like you guys are completely insane what are you thinking but most people say things like I've always wanted to do that and that you know as a coach I'm so fascinated with human behavior I'm so fascinated with um, belief systems and what leads people to do what they do and so the amount of people who've said I always wanted to do this and they haven't I've just been so curious I'm like okay but why like why haven't yeah. you done it because we did it and we did it in a really short amount of time like we decided one day we were going to do it we bought the Airstream the next day and put in like our 30-day notice for our apartment and we were out and this is why I'm still running like a, a crazy successful business and like launching a new thing and homeschooling our kids and all that stuff you know we got it together in about a month um so it's doable I'm not gonna say that all of that was completely stress-free yeah. or anything but we got it done but I'm always like what's an airstream it's just a it's just a very specific brand of recreational vehicle trailer um so if people are into the rv world there's sort of like a oh my goodness it gets into those debates but like airstreams are slightly different than like a regular rv yeah but when people see when people hear airstream they have a different they have a different picture of what it, what it actually looks like but yeah like you say people saying oh, i've always wanted to do that someone messaged me the other day and they said how have you started your podcast I've always wanted to do that and I thought well what's stopping right, you yeah why aren't you doing exactly. that and they asked me for advice on how I did it and I thought I never asked anyone no. how they did it yeah I just went and did it yeah and I yep. remember the reason why I started the podcast was because I had my blog yep. in March at the start of our lockdown and then I saw my friend had started her own podcast on like a university radio, yeah. uni radio. And I thought, I could do that. Yeah. Why aren't I doing that? Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think, but that's the thing. I mean, that voice of that says, I could do that. The interesting thing is like the more that I talk to people and I spend a lot of time trying to figure out like, what are those sentences that are going in your brain and finding out that most people, it doesn't sound like that. Like for you and me, we're like, I could do that. I could figure that out. I could make that happen. You know, and I think being willing to walk through all the discomfort and learning curve and being a beginner to get it to happen. But a lot of people, their story is, I could never do that. I could never do that. And that's why they don't. Yeah, definitely. I think it depends what I really want to set my mind to. Mm -hmm. There's quotes that say, if you really want to do something, you'll do it. And if you don't want to do it, you'll find an excuse. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's... Yep. And I work with a lot of people who come to me for a lot of different things, but when they say they really want this thing and it's been years, yeah, that's a, it's a hard conversation. And luckily most of my people, like they know I love them. I'm pretty gentle in how I coach people, but I also be direct, which is if you don't have it yet on some level, you don't really want it. So let's figure out why. And Sometimes it's fear of failure, often it's fear of success or something that they think, um, you know, I've talked to business women who really think that if their businesses take off and flourish, suddenly their family will suffer or they'll have no free time. Or there's some, there's some reason that they actually think that this thing that they want would be bad. And then they don't, they don't even realize it, that they self-sabotage, they get in their own way and it never happens. So I love getting in there and finding out because usually it's it's literally, and this is what I tell people all the time, I'm like, you have a sentence in your brain, just one. It's a series of words strung together. You believe them. And it's keeping us from taking actions. Let's just go find out what it is. And if the sentence is, I can't be a good business person and a good mom, I'm just like, what if that's not true? Like, what if you can yeah. be? Or what if being a good businesswoman makes you a better mom? We just consider all those things. Self-sabotage. And um, saying, I think a lot of people have negative anxiety around things and saying, well, I have this job interview. What if I mess it up? What if I don't get the job? What if it goes wrong? What if they don't like me? What if I can't answer their questions? But then you flip that and you go, what if it goes right? What if they do like me? What if I do succeed? I've never heard of fear of success. And you know it growing too much that you can't cope I have always had fear of failure Uh, and I tend to like procrastinate before I do something and I think oh I'll just do this instead I'll just do this instead and if I have an essay I want to be able to do it perfect first time and it to be just I just have this idea of perfection I'm like yeah I want to do it perfect first time get 100% move on and that's just not the case it's like I am human I will make mistakes, I'll get feedback on this essay and it will eventually get better. And that whole idea of, I've interviewed a lot of people that go to the gym and I myself am a slim person, I always have been. And I always say, well, like, how have you got to where you are now? And they just, oh, how do you get over being in the gym as a beginner and getting over that I don't belong here, imposter syndrome sort of thing? And they say, well, that big, muscly person who is lifting the massive weights did not come into the gym lifting those massive weights they started somewhere everybody has got to start somewhere and it's that whole you know I don't know I I want to use the the idea of going to the gym but going to the gym and not knowing what you're doing and thinking that everyone's looking at you and pointing at you and thinking they don't belong here sort of thing 
I'm all in your head. It's all in your head. Well, and even, yeah, and I mean, and just because somebody else has that thought, I, I tell my people this all the time. I'm like, other people are allowed to be wrong. Yeah. They can have a thought that we don't belong there, but we can know that we do. Yeah, I just want to touch on your book and how yeah. you said that your story to to get your true self love and how you've kept wanting to tell that story. Yeah. Can you give me a snippet of okay like what the journey yeah yeah so not too much yeah not too much you don't want to give it I'm well that's the thing I feel like the in some ways I feel like that book could have been one chapter and given the main premise but like all of my editors kept saying like expand it expand it make it longer um but yeah so for me I just you know I mean we've all got a story we've all got a past right I mean I definitely had some you know some verbal abuse some trauma some different things in my childhood and it, you know, and, you know, teen, teen years, but it really just got me to this place of like feeling disconnected from my body, a lot of body image issues, body shame, eating disorders, like body dysmorphia. Um, so a lot of stuff in, in that realm, disordered eating, but also just generally like as a person, you know, those beliefs of not being good enough, being, dirty, being broken, there's something wrong with me, that kind of thing. So I had dealt with all of that since like junior high, right? And so lots of issues with my body, but kind of went through a rough patch and then getting better. But then as an adult, I went through all these like health issues and that's impacting my weight. And it just all got triggered again, like in my early thirties. And the book, it's so funny. I think I had kind of tried, so to speak, all of the, all the advice, all the wisdom, all the, whatever I could think of to try to get through what I was going through and just wasn't making progress. I still hated myself. I still hated my body. I still had the same disordered thoughts, even if I could keep from acting out on them. And this book was kind of a, I just sort of reached a breaking point where I'm like, man, I have two daughters. And if I keep doing what I'm doing. I am going to model this behavior. They're going to repeat it. And this is going to be an ongoing cycle. And there've been a number of places in my life where I'm like, this just has to stop. Like it has to stop somewhere. It can't keep being passed down generation to generation. Yeah. So it's funny. Like, and that's why like in the book, I feel like it wasn't, I think some people, because I'm a coach now and they hear me talk and I'm very like articulate. I think they think it's a teaching book. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a narrative. And this takes you back to like that day, whenever I'm in that place of all hope is lost. And the book is kind of my version of like a Hail Mary at the end of the game. Like we are out of options. This is the last ditch effort to try to not basically ruin my children's future by modeling all these unhealthy patterns. And I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't working with a coach. It was, it was genuinely just kind of intuitive let's try this thing and see if it works and it did um that's like that's <laughs> like the moral like I went through this like really like in my mind a very odd way of approaching self-love you know and then at the end of it I went back and I was able to understand it and realize what happened and like why it worked and understand the principles behind it but at the time I was genuinely just like desperate hopeless fumbling around in the dark recognizing I was going to self-destruct if I didn't get this self-love thing under control and stop hating myself 
That's so good that you've been able to sort of reflect and document and a lot of people, when I first started this, I was in not a very good place and I was thinking, oh, like, I'll get round to talking about this when I feel better, but I think I felt as though, well, you know what, I'll talk about it now. A lot of people talk about their experiences when they're out of it and they can reflect because that is the only way that you, you're in the right headspace to be able to talk about it. And I feel as though I started talking about it when I was going through the motions and I had my blog as like my therapy. And now I'm about three quarters there and I can probably look back on everything I've been through now and now reflect. So yeah, just that whole going through the motions and being able to go through it. But how did you first feel when you started that? Because I remember when I first was, I say not in a good place. I just felt... I'd just graduated, I'd got my degree, and I just felt like I was in this dark hole, trapped, and I couldn't see a way out. You obviously was thought, this is not how I want my life to go and to spread to my kids, I don't want them to give that to them. Did you feel trapped or did you go, right, no, I'm not dealing with this anymore, I need to deal with this? this needs addressing yeah well I mean and I think that again with this being something that I had dealt with for so many years before I think I've gone through a lot of stages with it um but I I'm a pretty tenacious person by by nature um or you could call me very stubborn whichever you would like to um so I definitely had a lot of times whenever I was hopeless and felt, yeah, like there was just no other option. And I mean, and in the self-love realm, I mean, I don't know where everybody else is with that, but I think that when I heard people talk about self-love, I think it didn't even compute for me. Like I didn't even, I didn't have any context to understand what they were saying. Like it was so foreign to me. And that's the thing. I, I talked to a number of people and they're already actively working on self-love. They're just like, like you're saying, like they're, they're partway in the process. Like I wasn't even on the path. I didn't even know where the path was. Like I didn't even think it was possible. And that's actually the context of the book, which is that I actually believed like at a core level that I was not a person deserving of love or self-love, that there was something fundamentally wrong and broken with me. And the premise of the book, I'll just give away a little bit of the punchline, was I decided basically just to fake it. Because I was looking at my kids and I'm like, the real goal here is I just need to model what this looks like for them. And so the whole, the, the concept of becoming Aphrodite is that I was walking through a museum and I saw a statue of, you know, the goddess Aphrodite. Um, sometimes some of them are Venus. And we were just going through this museum and I was looking at all the different depictions of this goddess. And I think because I was in such a negative place, I was just drawn to all of those. And so of course I was very much like in my head about the actual shape of her body and like all the statues were depicted differently. And that was very confusing because how do you know what a perfect body is supposed to look like if like this like definition of perfect beauty keeps changing, right? Like there was just so much stuff. But I just, I couldn't believe it for me. I couldn't believe it for myself. But I was like, if 
if I want to model this for kids, my kids, I need to at least act and speak like somebody who does love themselves. This is how I'll model it. And so I created sort of an imaginary character, I guess, in my mind, because I couldn't imagine myself loving myself. But I'm like, okay, let's imagine, you know, like Aphrodite or like a person who really, and Aphrodite just became a symbol for like a woman who really loves herself, like who loves her body and loves herself and all those things. Cause I mean, that's goddess of beauty kind of thing over here. Again, my headspace was a little messed up, but I was like, what would she do? And that was the thing. I just had to go to this like fake person. I'm like, if this, if this person who like really loved themselves and loved their body was in my life right now, what would she think? What would she feel? What would she say? What would she do? How would she talk to herself? And I just kept trying to mimic that and like model that. And I didn't even fully believe it. It really was just going through the motions. And that was kind of the punchline was that like what I learned was that is how we evolve into the next version of ourselves is we figure out who it is we want to become, whether that's more grateful or more tenacious or more, you know, confident. And we start internally thinking that way, actually generating those emotional spaces, talking to ourselves internally in those ways, taking action. And then eventually that's how it becomes true. And so anyways, the, the whole point was that like, I kind of stumbled upon it by accident. I'm over here thinking I'm basically faking it not realizing I'm actually doing the exact work that it takes to become that person for real. And then I woke up one day and realized like whenever I was saying like I liked myself and that I appreciated myself and that I thought I was a good person, that I actually believed it. And I was like, wait a minute, this was supposed to be for pretend. What is happening here? Like, is this real? And it was, and it's one of, that's why I had to write it down in a book. I'm like, this is the funniest, most random way to get to self-love that I have ever heard of, which is why I wrote it down. But it was genuinely just a, I'll just pretend I love myself so that my kids get it. And then, yeah, this crazy thing happens though when you spend all day long, like speaking nicely to yourself and treating yourself kindly. <laughs> That's so cool oh, man. I would definitely use the word tenacious rather than stubborn I love the word tenacious in fact I think on my CV I the first word I wrote to describe myself was tenacious Ooh, see I knew you were because it's resilient isn't it yes it's like (laughs) well yeah it's like that idea of resilience and just powering through I well that's what it means for me anyway um and just never giving up and just being almost tenacious to a point that you're stubborn (laughs) yeah well I mean and I think it can be like stubbornly confident and stubbornly resilient yeah I mean you know and it sounds like you have been and there's a I think some people can take or some women can take that to a place where it's unhealthy where they like disregard their own emotions and they disregard their own Mm. opinions and they disregard their body signals you know the word I'm very cautious about the word push through but whenever we're talking about pushing through, you know, some of these things here, you know, you talked about, you know, some of these, like, what if anxiety questions, the fears, the, the, the things that make us want to procrastinate, the imposter syndrome, those things, you know, and even those when they come up, I don't, I don't think of it as pushing through them. 
but I have come to a place of like really peacefully accepting all of those as the price and the currency to the life that I want. And I've actually started to see all of those as good things because when we stay in like the safety of our current life, we don't really experience these things. We don't experience imposter syndrome, just, you know, clocking into a nine to five that requires nothing of us. And so whenever I go do something that makes me feel afraid, that makes me want to procrastinate, that triggers all of my self-doubt and all of my insecurity and all of my imposter syndrome, that tells me I'm growing. It tells me I'm pushing forward. It tells me I'm doing the kind of things that are going to turn me into the next version of myself. So it's interesting. I don't think of myself as like, oh, I feel like an imposter when I'm pushing through. It's like, oh, I feel like an imposter. Cool. That means I have just done something that is new and scary that I've never done before. And I am stretching myself. Now it's still not fun to feel it, but I actually see it more as a a compass that I'm heading in the right direction and I'm not playing it safe and I'm not playing it small and I am putting myself out there in the type of way that means that I could fail ethically. And that's good. Laurie's life advice, everyone, guys. Oh my gosh. Sorry, y'all got preached at. Y'all got preached at. There you go. Oh no. I love it. <laughs> no, I love it. That's what we're here to like do. But yeah, I think um I think I unhealthily probably pushed through a lot of stuff till I eventually mm. went, oh my goodness, I literally can't cope. Throughout yeah. university was like the bumpiest journey for me. And then when it came to an end towards the end of final year, I just went, I can't cope now. It was the end of uni and I came out and all I would do was just like cry because everything had just built up too much in my head. And I just couldn't cope with everything that had happened throughout the three years of university. I just hadn't, I hadn't been coping with it. And then all of a sudden it hit me and I was like, yeah, oh my goodness, all of this. And if I had asked for help earlier on, I could have coped with it, taken little bite-sized chunks of getting through things. And instead it was just like this massive brick wall that hit me in the head. And all of a sudden, I've just been like trying to cope, trying to cope, trying to cope, and then gone. No. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's yeah, the. Um, I mean. Yeah. I think that what I, one of my friends used to say this. It was kind of a joke about more like type A personalities, where it's kind of like we're so busy pushing through, it's almost like we don't see the brick wall until we hit it going a hundred miles an hour. And I think that that's. I see women do that. I mean, men as well, but I think there's something about us as women of like, we feel this innate need to suck it up and push through and not show weakness or whatever that looks like. Yeah. A lot of different. We disregard ourselves. That's a really good way to put it. We do. And it's, it's not healthy and we can only do it for so long. And that space where I can push myself in the right ways, like, not in the ones that are disregarding myself or my emotions or my experience or what I'm feeling at the time, but the one that can look at, can honor all of that and step into something new, knowing that it requires me to 
work through uncomfortable feelings that it requires me to be willing to be a beginner and make mistakes and put myself in uncomfortable situations. And so some of that's like, you know, or starting something new, like starting a new routine. There's always kind of that initial kind of getting over an uncomfortable part where we really do just kind of have to step up and be like, okay, this is, this is going to be uncomfortable at the beginning. And I'm, gonna do it anyway. You know, like I said, and pushing through a little bit of internal resistance is very different than I'm gonna reach this goal no matter what and disregard everything that my body and mind and soul and emotions are telling me. Um, and I think distinguishing between those two is very, is very important. But yeah, I mean, I just did something, you know, I just did, you know, some new stuff in my business and like, all the things and all the reasons. And my brain's like, hey, you sure you want to do that? Do you know this could like fail? This could be terrible. This could be really bad. It's like kind of scary. We've never done this before. Are you sure you don't, sure you don't want to just come back over here to all the stuff that we've been doing that like works and is incredibly safe? And that was the thing. Like that was like, to me, that's my, that's the only place that I push through because I'm like, it would be so much easier to just stay safe and just do what I've been doing and just do what's been working but that doesn't grow me at all. It doesn't, you know, expand my influence. It doesn't really get me where I want to go. And sort of that internal, yes, I want to do the hard thing. <laughs> yes, I'm going to do that thing that requires more of me. And, you know, as soon as I take those first few steps and I realize like, we're okay, we're not going to die. A lot of that dissipates. But initially it's like, I am willingly walking into all the stuff that we talked about, all the, you know, all the things are going to come up when we decide to step out and do something new. It came up when I wrote a book. I'm sure some of it may have come up for you when you write a podcast. And, you know, back to you were talking about how we all kind of have these what if questions, like what if it doesn't work? What if nobody likes it? Whatever, you know, one of the big things that I've done, I do what you do, where sometimes I ask a better question, a positive one, but sometimes I like to go back and I answer the negative ones. It's like, what if I do try this and it doesn't work? Well, then I'll know and I'll have that information and it'll help me figure out what will work and I'll try again. And I give solid answers to that, those kinds of questions and willingly walk into discomfort. That's sort of my push through and it's how I've, you know, I think in my life created a lot of stuff that other people haven't been willing to do, whatever it is. And it's, you know, same thing. It's like, man, I'm not brave enough to shave my head, man. I would never be brave enough to like do this. Man, I'd never be brave enough to do all of that. I'm like, yeah, I don't really feel brave, but I've been willing to feel a lot of discomfort to build the life that I have. Yeah. That's like, I don't like the feeling of not being good at something when I first started. Mm. So, you know, when you first have a hobby and you're not naturally talented at it and you think, oh, I can't do this. Or, um, I don't know. You're just instantly not amazing at something and you question why you're not instantly amazing. But, that idea of you saying coming out of your comfort zone and stepping over and getting through the discomfort, it reminds me of when you're a child and you get told that you have to say sorry to somebody and you really don't want to have to say sorry to them. And then you do and you're like, okay, I did the sensible thing. I did the harder thing and I am now the bigger person. And it's like pushing yourself. I know it's a completely different anecdote to what you've just said. But that's what it makes me feel about stepping out of your comfort zone and crossing that line of like fire that you were so scared to do in the first place and then getting to the other side and going, that 
actually it's right over here I can do this yeah so like no say so like like for you so you're saying it's more like the more like sort of like spaces that make you feel vulnerable is that what you're talking about like the I'm doing something I'm sort of putting myself in a vulnerable sort of position because I'm a beginner doing something new is that kind of the the sentiment you're expressing with not liking this I'm doing this thing and I'm not great right away yes gotcha so when I started my podcast I had this idea of how I wanted it to look how I wanted to sound what message I wanted to get across and I'm doing the course at the moment and we had a lot of people who were talking about their own podcasts and they said the best thing is when you're starting off is you can make mistakes and it doesn't have to be perfect first time and you can find your sound you can find your voice and it doesn't really matter and you've got that chance to find what you want to do and where you want to be and I thought yeah but I need to get it right first time and they were like no you don't need to get it right first time it's okay to make mistakes yeah well and that's like there's just not another there's just not another way to do it yeah um that's what I you know I talk with my clients where it's like we all want to feel confident out the gate but it doesn't work that way and I don't know why we understand it you know earlier you were talking about going to the gym or different things where whatever it is or it's like you know you and I could pick a skill right now that we don't know like I'm not a proficient quilter I don't know how to fly a plane. And I think that we accept that if we decided we wanted to do those things, we probably could. Most people, you know, could do those things. And we would recognize though that we would need to take a class. We would need to learn the skills. We would need to practice that like the very first stitch that we sew is not going to be awesome and we're not going to like decide we're going to be a pilot and then day one, fly the plane. Like for most things in life that are skills, we actually recognize that there is this very steady progression of like being a beginner, learning, practicing. You know, you ride a bike, you're going to fall off of it sometimes and we move on. And yet then there are these other category of things that we decide either I'm perfect at it or I'm not. And then it means this like horrible thing about me. And it's so funny how we do that. But I'm like, guys, we don't get to feel confident about skill sets before we start. Now we can feel self-confidence about who we are as people, but confidence in a skill is something that we earn. Like we go do it and we fail and we're bad and we practice it. And then eventually we get to feel confident. But it is so funny. Most people are hesitant because they want that up front. They want to feel confident when they get started because that's easier and it's more comfortable emotionally it is it's not nearly as fun to go do something and feel insecure or feel a lack of confidence when we do it but that's the that's the currency that's how we get there we have to just go show up yeah and confidence is a result we create for ourselves yeah so it reminds me of when you see baby born animals trying to walk for the first time for example like a giraffe and they fall down and they get back up again and just the clumsiness of a giraffe because they have such long legs but it also reminds me of when I first started learning to drive I still don't drive and I learned to drive three years ago yeah and I fail well I didn't I didn't fail because I didn't do the test oh you're so cute but I also didn't pass anyway so oh I gotcha if you will I did not succeed and now I am learning to drive again but the reason why 
I was struggling so much was my confidence and my lack of self-belief and but also the fact that I was just such a perfectionist and every time I made a mistake I was like beating myself up about it I was like oh I made another mistake and just that idea of learning to drive and it not being second nature and getting so frustrated with myself and I remember my mum saying well maybe you're just not going to learn to drive maybe you're just going to be one of those people maybe you should learn to drive an automatic and not go through not have a car with gears and I was going no I want to be able to drive Mm. I will be able to drive and her saying that I couldn't do it made me want to do it more (laughs) yeah I'll show you kind of mentality oh because I'm stubborn like that (laughs) yeah I tried to not tell myself I couldn't do it but I did beat myself up when I even made like a little mistake I wanted to be good at driving immediately I wanted to be able to do everything all at once and yeah. didn't recognise in myself, yeah. no, you know, like we need to build this up and we're not going to be able to just drive on the motorway tomorrow after our first lesson. It's, it's not the way it works. It's not, you know, and it's so, but it's so fascinating. Like, I love that example. And I think it's, you know, whenever I, whenever I do coaching, I'm like, there's these like handful of like meta skills. There's sort of like patterns and we see them repeated in a lot of different scenarios, you know, but this this sort of fear of like if I do it right so like in this case if you're trying to get your license where it's like if I go if I go and I do this and it's like and I fail all that really happens on the other side is that you don't get your license but by not taking the test you don't have your license and like the thing that we're most of yeah you failed yourself we most don't want sometimes we just do it in advance and this is why I tell my clients like whenever we when we're afraid of failing and then we don't try I'm like it's genuinely like we just failed in advance we just did it ahead of time and just guaranteed it yeah just by like not even putting ourselves out there um and that was like a huge thing like understanding that that's what I was doing whenever I didn't actually try was a game changer for me and I was like oh that's not what I want. I'm not okay with that. Like, and I was like, and when I realized exactly what you were saying here, or this idea of perfectionism, now this is one of those things where like for coaching, um, I, I worked with a coach a while back and she was fantastic and brilliant, but very direct. And whenever perfectionism comes up, she re- repeatedly would say like, perfectionism is for scared people. And I had to let that sit in because I would have labeled myself as a perfectionist, but I realized the only reason I wanted to do it perfectly the first time is because I was like too afraid to go through all the stuff that happens when you fail. I was afraid to go through all of that. And I think I was afraid of myself because the same as you're saying, like I would like beat myself up and that wasn't helpful. It wasn't, I wasn't a safe person for myself to be around when I failed. I was afraid of all the stuff that came afterward. I was afraid of how I'd look. I was afraid of all the stuff people would think of me. So it's like, let's just do it perfectly the first time so that none of that happens. But what that really meant was a lot of inaction because most things we can't do perfectly the first time. But I think that, but that was kind of like where my stubbornness came in. Whenever she said that, she's yeah. like, well, yeah, perfectionism's for scared people. And I really thought about it. I'm like, dang it, that's true. And no, like, no, like I'm not gonna be that person that looks back and says I didn't do it because I was afraid. Cause really all that's gonna happen is we're gonna feel an emotion. 
we're going to feel embarrassed or we're going to feel this thing. And I was like, you know what? I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to walk through all that. No way am I going to look back and be like, I did not go for this because I was afraid. No, like, no, like that was where I was like, no, I'm, I, that's, that's not going to be my story. That's not how I'm going to look back on all of this. Um, and I just started. And like I said, with, with the book, it was similar. I was so thankful, girl. I got similar advice. I'm glad you're in that podcast group. Cause I went to um, a friend of mine who was an author. She's like a writer. And I was like, Hey, starting this venture, what do I need to know? Tell me. Um, and sorry for the language, but I'm going to directly quote her. But she said, what you need to know is that all first drafts are shit. She's like every good movie, every good book, every good writing that you've come across the first draft was awful. And she's like, that's how it works. You do it and then you edit it. And when I, so what happened for me was like, instead of sitting down and having all this drama about, am I going to write a good book or a bad book or whatever? I'm like, I just need to write a book. Like writing a bad book is the first step to writing a good book. You just have to sit down and write it. And, and that was it. And I was just like, every day it's words on a page and it can be bad. It needs to be bad. It's supposed to be bad. Of course it's going to be bad. It's a first draft. We'll make it better. And I think that's how I got it done because I wasn't trying to make it good. I was just trying to complete it and then working through the other things. And as soon as I was willing to let it be bad and let it not be perfect and work on it, then suddenly like sitting down and getting it done wasn't this huge barrier. I think that's the best advice ever because throughout university and assignments a lot of people would do them two weeks early and finish them and I would be the person that would finish it really last minute because I used to think well why would you give yourself those two weeks of rest when you can be constantly improving 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 and it was a toxic thing within me to think that it would never be good enough and sometimes like with my dissertation, I thought, oh, it needs to be perfect. But just getting something out there, I would probably, I think I probably held myself back from, I procrastinated doing it because I thought, oh, well, it needs to be good. Like the first draft needs to be amazing. And obviously what you've just said, like, I just need to produce something. And that idea of just letting go of what you've made. A lot of the time I would hand in an essay and just, everyone be like, oh, you must feel so happy you've handed it in. I'd be like, just feel relieved but also like I've just handed someone a bag of rubbish because it just feels like, oh, oh, man. Well, I'm so glad you're doing this podcast then. I'm curious about like what that's been like because I I, um, I had a podcast back in the day. I realized I like being guests on other people's podcasts a lot more than doing my own. Um, but it was a really good, I think that of all the things that I did, doing that podcast really helped me with this perfectionism thing because it's interesting like trying to produce a podcast where sometimes I would spend so long doing retakes and retakes and trying to say it perfectly and make it perfect and then it's like when does that ever happen and you know just whenever I started really looking at people who were successful and entrepreneurs and people who are producing a lot of things they're like, you can't, you can't do it that way. Some people say like launch at 80%. Uh, one of my coaches says put B minus work out into the world. And all of those concepts were so hard for me. Like they were so hard because I wanted it to be perfect. And I wanted people to think well of me and I wanted all those things. And I was afraid of negative feedback. But the truth is if it's, if we wait till it's perfect, you're right. Like it never gets put out there. 
Now we're not going to go put out, you know, we're not going to launch at 10%. We're not going to put D work into the world, right? Like I'm not even going to put C minus work out into the world. Um, but I would finish a podcast and I would just ask, I'm like, is, is this, is this B minus work or above? And if it was, I just hit publish and I was just done. And even like with my written book, like I realized we got to that place where like we, we would do edits and I realized I'm like, we could edit for the next five years and like five years from now, would it be a better book than it is today? Yep. It would also be five more years. But I'm like, is it good? Is it like, are we in like the B range? Okay. Then hit publish because people who need it to be perfect, they don't get stuff done. And the people who are successful are the ones that are constantly producing and producing and producing and producing. And like I said, and you, you do something like this, like a podcast and you put out, you know, 20 episodes, 30 episodes, 50 episodes, and you start to figure out your messaging and what works and what you like, and it develops, but we all have to kind of work that out. Definitely. So so I love that you're doing that because this will be such good practice because I know, like I know with the podcast where I'd go back and I would want to like re-record three times and then spend six hours editing. And I had to have that day where I'm like, there's not time. Like if it's not efficient, it's not going to work. I'm like, I'm going to record it. It's going to be good. I'm going to hit done. And then I'm going to send it out into the world and it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. I think the idea of just getting stuff done, I think sometimes when you're going for a job, people think that being a perfectionist is a bad thing because obviously you have high standards and in some ways it can be a bad thing and just being able to get the job done can be a lot more attractive than being a perfectionist. I want to ask you what does your current self-love look like now? A lot of my friends or people that I've interviewed have said to me be your own best friend, don't beat yourself up how you're beating yourself up now don't talk to yourself the way you're talking to yourself talk to yourself as though you're talking to your best friend and you know if they made a mistake you wouldn't beat themselves up you wouldn't beat them up about it if they slept all day for some reason or they were really feeling really tired so they decided to take a nap you'd, you'd be like okay yeah go take a nap and you're feeling tired you go do that but when we talk to ourselves we're so much harsher I want to know what does your current self-love actually look like for you? How did you start? I know you said that you faked it until you made it, which is a lot what a lot of people do. How did you start doing that? What did it look like? Want to find out the answer to this question? Listen to part two.